You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. The Bible says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Fast forward there to chapter, uh, verse 17. The Bible says, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. And then go down to verse 22, and we'll go 22 through 24. Verse 22 says, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto, unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. And then verse 24, Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. Tonight's message titled, Decisions That Lead to a Sad Ending. Decisions That Lead to a Sad Ending. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you again for allowing us to come together. Um, thank you for the technology that we have. We ask that you continue to be with it, dear Lord. Uh, help everything to work out with it. We ask that you uh, bless those who are at home watching. Bless those who are here. We ask that you uh, be with me, dear Lord, uh, as I uh, give the message that you gave to me. We ask that you be with everything we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of us know of someone's life that has had a sad ending. What makes that story about that person stick with us? What makes the story stick with us is the way it made or the way it makes you feel. You feel a sense of sadness, a sense of remorse, almost a sense of this feeling that I wish there was something I could do or could have done to change that person's life from a sad ending to a happy ending. The thing that sticks with us the most also is the questions that we ask ourselves. How did it happen? Where did they go wrong? We tell ourselves their life didn't start out that way. Their life started happily. They had everything going for them. What made such a drastic change in their life that caused it to have such a sad ending? That drastic change, that split-second direction change, can normally be attributed to one decision. One decision that person made in their life. We can choose the decisions we make, but we can't choose the consequences that come from those decisions. The story we're looking at tonight is of two sons, two sons of Eli, 
Hophni and Phineas. Eli was the head pastor, if you will. He was the high priest, but he was the leader over the nation of Israel spiritually. With that being said, Hophni and Phineas, therefore, were preacher's kids. They were raised in the temple. They were even priests themselves at this point in their lives. They were involved with the Ark of the Covenant. They grew up around and were involved with spiritual things. Things were going well, you could say, for Hophni and Phinehas. That is, until Hophni and Phinehas decided to start living a double life. They were in church, but they were also in the world. They had value to God. They had a purpose to fulfill in their lives. Hophni and Phinehas had so much worth, so much potential at the beginning of their lives. They had value to God until their decisions wrecked their lives. So much so that under the inspiration of God, Samuel writes that Hophni and Phinehas were sons of Belial. Look at me in 1 Samuel chapter 2 again, in the chapter, verse 12. The Bible says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Sons of Belial was not only talking about someone who was wicked, you are basically saying they're worthless. Back then, everyone knew what you meant when you called someone a son of Belial. Let me put it this way. No one starts off worthless. Tonight, I'd like to go over a few things Hophni and Phinehas did to make themselves be considered worthless. Number one, Hophni and Phinehas were considered worthless because they were selfish. Hophni and Phinehas were considered worthless by the Lord for just that, for being selfish. Verse 13, the Bible says in the priest's the priest's custom with the people was that when any off, off man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething, that word there means boiling, with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. Carry on to verse 14. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh, flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself so they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. So the priest's custom with the people, with many of the sacrifices brought to the tabernacle, was a portion of that sacrifice was given to God. A portion was given to the priest, and then another portion was kept by whoever brought the sacrifice. So back then, the priest would, would stick the flesh hook, which is a, a, a three-pronged hook, 
and they would stick it in, into either a pan, a kettle, a cauldron, or a pot, and essentially whatever they brought out with that three-pronged hook, the priest kept for himself. Look at me in verse 15. Also before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. That word sodden there also means boiled. God's portion was always given first. So it was wrong to take the priest's portion before they burned the fat. The fat was thought to be the most luxurious, the best part of the animal. So, of course, the best part would be reserved for God. The idea was that God should always get the best, and God should get his first portion. But in their pride and in their selfishness, the sons of Eli took their portion before they burned the fat. In the latter part of 15, it says, Give flesh to the roast for the priests, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. They didn't want the meat to be boiled. They wanted it raw. But why? Why did the sons of Eli want the meat raw? It was because at that point their selfish greed was so strong and they understood that if the meat was raw, it was easier to sell than half-cooked meat. And they realized that they could sell this raw meat for a profit. And they could pocket the money. So essentially at this point, what is happening is the Israelites are bringing their sacrifices in the front door of the tabernacle. And Hophni and Phinehas are taking them out the back door and selling them in the streets. And keeping the money for themselves. They are stealing from the Lord the portion that belongs to him. The equivalent of this today would essentially be the offering plates coming around and you decide, I'm just going to take a few dollars for myself. You might be thinking to yourself, I would never do a thing like that. I would never steal from God. Our stealing from God is not always in the monetary sense. If we're withholding our tithes from the Lord, then yes. That is definitely stealing from the Lord the portion that is His. In the non-financial sense, today we steal from God when we decide to be selfish and instead of following God's plan for our life, instead of following His calling for our life, we decide we know best. I know what's best for number one. We ask the Lord to show us His calling for our lives. We say, please, Lord, allow me to understand and fulfill my purpose. To only have Him reveal that purpose but since it doesn't fit into our plan that we wanted, we ignore it. 
Maybe God is calling you into a ministry. Maybe he's calling you to teach a Sunday school class, to drive a bus, to clean the church, to mow the lawn, to help clean up on the grounds, anything. He's calling you. But you're constantly telling him no. Constantly silencing the will of the Lord. This is theft as well. Jesus paid too high of a price for you and I for us to just step away and do our own thing and steal what belongs to him. Doing so is one of the ultimate signs of selfishness. Hophni and Phinehas' selfishness could not only be seen in their stealing from the Lord, but it could also be seen in their sensual behavior. Look at me in verse 22. Verse 22, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. This brings me to point number two. Hophni and Phinehas were considered worthless because they, were, because they satisfied the flesh. If you're going to take what's rightfully God, not long after that, you will lend yourself into being selfish with your flesh. At that point, wanting to do the things that will satisfy your flesh instead of the Lord. In this story here, as people are coming to worship, Hophni and Phinehas are participating in immorality. And just reading this passage... It gives you an uneasy feeling in your stomach. It makes you think, how on earth could this happen? You might be thinking to yourself, how could people be so sinful? Let me remind you, it didn't start this way. It started with being selfish enough to steal from God. Their sensuality is a perfect example of the world today. Can't we see that the selfish world today has become deviant in this regard? Parents, adults, can't we see how the world today tries to throw it in our face every chance it gets? Parents, we need to guard our children's minds. We should be careful about the movies we allow our children to watch and the video games we allow them to play. The world acts like it's normal. The world tries to teach that living an alternative lifestyle is normal. A house with two moms is normal. A house with two dads is normal. The world tries to teach little girls that it's okay to wear suggestive clothing to get the attention of others. Time out here. If you think I'm wrong, I encourage you, go out. Try to go shopping for a girl's dress that is modest enough without having to go to four or five different stores. The clothing that many of these stores sell for girls to be honest, I would be ashamed to put my dog in it. 
even more than just trying to teach girls to dress modestly. On the other side, we should be teaching our boys not to give attention to girls who dress immodestly. Raise our little boys to understand what a Proverbs 31 woman looks like. So they understand standards and how a godly lady and a godly woman should walk and talk and act. Time in. In our story, they had participated in the sin so much that it became a part of their everyday normal life. It was deemed as normal. It was deemed okay by society. It was deemed okay by their friends. But let me tell you, no matter who signs off on the sin, it's still sin. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies of hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The Bible compares sin to a burn. Now, I'm pretty sure we've all kind of burned ourselves at some point in time. What happens as soon as we burn ourselves? That burned area completely loses feeling. Sin is the same way. When you sin and you keep sinning and you keep sinning and you keep sinning, you become just like that burn. You don't feel it anymore. It becomes the norm. It is not until that hot iron is removed and the burn is allowed to heal that we can start to get back to feeling normal. Again, it didn't start this way. It didn't just come up out of the blue one day, Hophni and Phinehas, to be immoral with the women on the steps of the tabernacle. No, it started with stealing that led to immorality. It started small, but got worse and worse. Sin is like a small lion. It's cute. It starts off small, but then you feed it. And you continually feed it. And it starts to grow. And it starts to grow. And it starts to grow. And eventually it's bigger than you. But more importantly, Eventually, it devours you. It consumes you. One day, a pastor was asked to go visit an inmate at prison in their hometown by the inmate's grandmother. The pastor didn't really want to go, but decided that he'd go anyways. He showed up at the prison and went through all the security and after some time was confronted by the inmate. Time went by, and of course, the awkward silence, because the two had nothing to talk about. The inmate, in a still, small voice, asked the pastor, How did I get here? 
how did I get to this point? The pastor, looking around, thinking maybe he's talking to somebody else, shrugs his shoulders and asks the question straight back to the inmate. How did you get to this point? The inmate kind of sinks down. I have contemplated this for some time now and realized that a decision I made years ago led me here. I never imagined myself being here. But my sin started off small and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now because of it, I will spend the rest of my life behind these bars. If only I would have realized then what I know now. You see, their life didn't start out that way. But because of the decisions they made, their life started to spiral out of control. Every sin will take you farther than you want to go. Selfishness led to stealing. Stealing led to immorality. And all of these led to Hophni and Phinehas being stubborn. Number three, Hophni and Phinehas were considered worthless because of their stubbornness. Look at me again in verse 22. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. I'll read all the way through 24. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. Verse 22. Eli is being told of what's going on. Verse 23. He goes to his sons and he tells them, I hear what's going on and how you're being immoral. Why do ye such things? He essentially says, why are you doing what you're doing? An understandable question, but a useless one. At this point, the why doesn't matter, because there could be no good reason. They can't excuse their sins. They had to be responsible instead. Verse 24, in my reading and studying this passage, once I got to this point, I thought to myself, that's it? That's all you're going to say, Eli? Eli did about the worst thing a parent could do in trying to correct their children. Just talk. All he did was whine about what they did wrong. But he never took the necessary actions to correct the problem. Parents would be better off to yell less, lecture less, 
and to take sensible action more often, letting the children see the consequences for their disobedience. Praise the Lord, I grew up in a family where my parents disciplined me. I can't even fathom what would have happened to me if my parents heard I did something like this. I can tell you I probably wouldn't be standing here today. How many of you had parents just like that? How many of you had parents that they had those voices that you knew? They had those looks that you knew. Those looks that could stop you dead in your tracks. And worst of all, don't let them use your middle name. Because you knew you were really in for it. Even those of us who grew up in strict, well-disciplined homes, how many times in our lives when an authority in our life told us something, but we blew it off? Pfft, whatever, Mom. Pfft, whatever, Dad. Pfft, I'm not listening to you, Pastor. So the parents, Eli in the story, tells them, don't do that, and they ignore it. But since the parent won't do his job, God sends a preacher. Verse 27. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father where they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Now jump with me over to verse 34. And this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come unto that should come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas, in one day they shall die, both of them. The preacher tells them, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to die. Not a very nice sermon, but they still didn't listen. This makes me wonder, if pastor was to get up here and preach the same message that said, once you left this building today, you're going to die. How many people would actually come forward to get right with the Lord? And how many people would be just like Hophni and Phinehas and say, whatever, I don't need to listen to you. I'm fine doing what I'm doing. They ignored the parent. They ignored the preacher. The Lord also sent a friend. Look at me in verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Samuel was a ministered youth. Nowhere in here does it say Samuel rebuked them. But Samuel lived his life in such a way that his life rebuked them. Samuel's life was an example all of its own to Hophni and Phinehas. Most of us have someone who with their example of a godly life in front of us has made us feel bad 
about our own sins. This is why many today won't come to church faithfully. Because when they do, they feel bad about their sins and they get mad at the pastor. They get mad at the church. They blame the way they're feeling on everyone else or anything else except themselves. This is also why so many churches today are so packed with these mega churches because of the feel-good messages. The watered-down gospel they preach. I can go here and I get pumped up because all they do is tell me the good things. They don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Proverbs 29.1 He that being often reproved hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck. As in many places in the Bible, the hard neck is used as a figure of speech to speak of the stubborn attitude that resists God and disobeys Him. The proverb speaks about a man who is often rebuked but doesn't listen to the rebuke. Instead, he hardens his neck. Will suddenly be destroyed. This stubborn, rebellious man continues in his disobedience for a long time until he is suddenly destroyed. And there will be no hope for him. That's where it says, without remedy. This describes the kind of person who thinks little of God's merciful patience and assumes judgment will never come for his continual rejection of wisdom and stubborn heart against God. When the door of opportunity to repent finally shuts, probably at death, the persistent fool is beyond all hope for a cure. Because of their selfishness, it led them to steal, which led them to immorality, which led them to stubbornness. In the end, God knew, their dad knew, all because of the decisions they made. In closing here, don't miss this. It's the main part of the message. Number four, the impact of their decision. Hophni and Phineas's decision impacted their father. Look me back in verse 17 again. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. While dad didn't think it was such a big deal, God knew, and God did. Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. This verse is saying that we are always under the eye of God. He sees us in every place, even when we hide from human eyes. Hebrews 4, 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in, the, in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto his eyes of him with whom we have to do. There is no one hidden before God. He sees our heart, 
and he knows how to touch it. And we must give an account for how we respond to that touch. Dear sir, dear ma'am, dear teen, you might be able to delete that Facebook account or try to cover up your sin in whatever way you try to. You may fool someone. You may fool your parents. You may fool your spouse. But God sees it, and you're not going to fool him. The Bible says that your sins will find you out. Because of their sins, it made other sins. Verse 17, because Hophni and Phineas' sins of being selfish, which led them to steal, people begin to realize, hey, I'm bringing a sacrifice to the church, and then I see it coming out the back door being sold. They realized Hophni and Phineas were stealing. And the Bible says they abhorred the offering of the Lord. The people regarded the offering of the Lord with hatred and disgust because they knew that the offering that they were giving to the Lord was being stolen and used for personal gain. And then in verse 24, Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear ye make the Lord's people to transgress. Again, this was the great sin of Eli's sons. It was bad enough they stole and indulged their own lust, but they also, by their corrupt behavior, made people hate to worship God with their offerings at the tabernacle, and they led others to immorality. Tonight, ask yourself, what sin am I committing that is causing others to commit the same sin? During this time when many are looking for answers, trust me, they're watching you. They're waiting to see what you're going to do. Where are you going to go for your answers? Do you stand out from the world because you are different? Or can someone not tell where the world ends and you begin? If someone was to ask, maybe your lost friends or your lost coworkers, hey, I know, I know so-and-so, they go to church. They claim to be a Christian. So then why are you lost? Why have you not trusted in the Lord? Would they say, because I'm no different than them? Would they say, they go to the same place as I do? They dress the same way I do. They talk the same way I do. Why do I need the save? Why do I need a savior? I'm no different than them. To know that just by your actions, especially during a time like this, 
could be the biggest reason why someone would either have eternal salvation or an eternity in hell should be a charge to action for us to examine ourselves. The decisions we make today matter for tomorrow. Maybe you have extra time during this COVID-19. What are you doing with that extra time? Dear sir, dear ma'am, are you using it to catch up on your Netflix series? Are you using the time to surf the internet? To spend hours upon hours upon hours upon hours on social media? To see what Aunt Faye says about COVID-19 and their conspiracy theories of where they think it came from? Or are you getting closer to the Lord? Are you searching the scriptures for answers? Are you praying for those around you who you know are lost? I pray this message tonight could be a blessing to someone. I pray that we will see the importance of our decisions. And just like we discussed in the beginning of this message, know that decisions can make a difference in either a happy ending or a sad ending. Sad endings don't start out sad. They get there because of the decisions we make. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.